everyone has some sort of a closet that has become too small. A closet is no place to live, and I want to support as many people as I can in stepping out of that prison into the fullness of life that is waiting for them on the other side of that door. This is Nancy Shadlock from Centered Life Coaching. Join me in listening to these coming out chronicles. Get curious about their stories and then go see what good things are waiting for you on the other side of your closet door. Today's podcast guest could have told you her coming out story of coming out with cancer. She could have told you her coming out story of her sexuality, which she she alludes to a little bit, but she chose a very different coming out story to share with us today. So I'm excited to have Kirsten Beverly Waters on the show today. She's a fitness instructor, a personal growth champion, an LGBTQ public speaker, and an author. I love what she has to share with us today. It's very resonant with what I like to share in the world and the the work that I'm doing. It's so exciting to have found someone like-minded doing similar work with her own take on it and sharing with the world what she has to offer and what a thriving queer person looks like in the workplace. May you be just as inspired as me. Kirsten, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm so curious what coming out story you're going to share with us. I have a hunch that you have a few. Yeah, I mean, the coming out story I think we'll share today is coming out as a gay yoga and fitness teacher and how that has changed my professional career, but also personal relationships with people as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so set the scene for us. What what did that coming out process look like? And was there like a certain moment where that was key? Pivotal? So, you know, coming out, I came out in college. So that's, we'll just say been a little while <laughs> there. <laughs> um, so coming out to your family and friends, I feel is is certainly hard enough and is a challenge. Um, but when it comes to your professional life, I, I feel like there's even less resources in terms of how do we do that? Um, mm. You know, we worry, certainly when we come out to our family and friends, losing them, losing our close social networks. But then we don't think about what can happen in the professional um, network of people as well. And I got into fitness and wellness because I had cancer and I decided I didn't want to work in public relations any longer. Um, So it was a big difference. So I went back to school and got um, all of my biology, all my pre-med done. And in the process was also working as a neurodiagnostic technician and working at a children's hospital as a researcher. And through that realized I wanted to get on the forefront of wellness. And so I wanted to be more in the fitness and wellness industry. And so I started out in internships. And the first thing that happened was most of the fitness internships are filled with mostly men. And so there's this ideal that it's toxic masculinity and that as a woman coming in, you aren't going to be taken seriously. So don't cry. Don't be emotional. Don't show that you have any sort of feeling. 
And so then trying to wrap that into stereotypes that come with being a gay woman, I felt like was a whole different ball of wax that I just wasn't prepared to take on. So my hair was long, blonde, and I tried to look feminine, but tough as long as possible because I started in an MMA gym. And certainly that's not a place where generally speaking, there's a lot of talk or emotion. (laughs) Just in general, a lot of just like grappling and fighting and um, sweat, blood. And if there are tears, it's because it's like somebody got punched in the tear duct, right? (laughs) It's not an emotional aspect. And so through most of my interning years, years have gone by trying to hide who I am as much as possible, trying to fit that binary normative um, system that says this is how females act, this is how female trainers act, getting paid less, being respected less. And the first time a gym found out that I was gay, I was fired because they were concerned that if I adjusted a female client that it, and they knew that I was gay, it could be construed as sexual harassment. And there was never that same consideration for a heterosexual cisgender male. Mm-hmm. And so I found that, I mean, really offensive and discriminatory. Yeah. But there wasn't a, there isn't a lot. I mean, I can't even say there wasn't a lot as if it's past tense and it's still not an issue, but it, there isn't anything that I can, generally do in those situations it's their gym and it's their choice um and so i started to wonder like how much do i have to recloset myself like if somebody posts a picture of me on social media would it be tagged and would i be seen and could that prevent me from a job i mean something that normal people (laughs) normal right quote unquote (laughs) um people fear but mine even more so wondering that it could prevent me from ever having a career. And then what would, what would that life look like? And then I started to fall into this category of either I was told I was too feminine and I could only teach mommy and me transform transformation classes or no man would ever take me seriously teaching strength and conditioning. Um, or women would be too intimidated that I look too sculpted and I need to soften my look and soften my tone. So it was like, I never fit (laughs) anywhere. So it felt like that same experience of coming out to the family friends and just being who I am was also the same process, um, within fitness and wellness. And honestly, it's, it's only been two years that I've really been really out to, to my, to my community in the wellness uh, industry. Not that people didn't know, I never hit it, but to be more authentic to my voice and my teaching style and try to dispel the stereotypes, which is hard because I have short hair, I teach in fitness and I drive a Subaru. So I tell people that I have the trifecta. Like, <laughs> I'm like, they're like, do you have a discount card to Lowe's? Like, <laughs> you know? So, you know, trying to work through that stereotype became kind of my, my championing call and felt like that was a space that I could own. And only recently, even in, through this pandemic, have I really felt like I've been able to use my voice for other LGBTQ plus individuals who are in the fitness and wellness industry to say that 
you know, we need to step outside of the stereotypes that many people put us in. You know, I'm asked in yoga often to teach the power classes or teach for athletes because, again, I may be too intimidating or aggressive, quote unquote, for women, and that they would prefer a softer male, again, stereotyping gay men, that they're more effeminate and they're softer, and who doesn't want the will and grace best friend, right? Like, <laughs> so that's where that stereotype gets into. and they don't like it either, right? Like my friends who fall into that category are like, I want to teach a power vinyasa. And they're like, well, you don't look the part. So it's so interesting how we get, you know, shoved into these pieces. And so coming out to studios and owning that as something that I'm proud of because I work with teens and youth, um, nonprofit organizations, studios, schools, and other gyms to try and create more inclusive spaces. And I've been doing this basically closeted because we were afraid of being targeted for trying to be inclusive and the entire time I'm like this is crazy like we're a secret society we can't like, we can't be out um so you know, like I said in the last two years even in this pandemic it's been my opportunity to finally use my voice in a way that I feel is most authentic and stand up and be proud of who I am and that has landed me in some positions of again losing jobs but I just you reach this point where it, it is far worse to not be yourself than it is to be yourself and to, to truly be hated. I mean, I, each day I still get messages and social media that people give me death threats or tell me the world would be better without me. I've had students come to studios and threaten my life. I've had men who've threatened to physically harm me. I have had men physically harm me because you know, in my mind, they're threatened and intimidated by who I am. And for a long time, that kept me shoved in a box and kept me away from being who I am. And there's, and I let them that belief that I'm not enough become my storyline. And here I am teaching other people to be authentic to themselves and be true to themselves and own who you are. And I'm changing myself like a chameleon every, every day to try and fit a mold of somebody else. And that was crushing my soul. So I just, I felt like I had to, or I was going to feel suffocated. So now that I do, I feel this sense of freedom, but also this fear, <laughs> it's still there, but it's like, there's more exhilaration than there is fear. And at once it used to just be fear that consumed me and, and kept me quiet. But I know that, that that silence is only keeping other people just like me quiet and, and fearful of being able to use their voice. And I want to be a champion of other people using their voice and standing up as they are and be proud of who they are and know that they are loved, they are seen, and they are accepted um, by, by me and by others that I share spaces with. Because I can't speak to everyone else, but I can start creating spaces where, where that is a possibility. Hmm. Good for you. That sounds really brave and scary <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. Uh, brave, yes, maybe. I don't know. I think, you know, I was speaking two, three years ago at a leadership conference here in Maine for 3,000 plus youth and shared my story and shared my experiences. And I had a line out the door at the end of that 20-minute talk of kids. I mean kids. We're talking kids from eight years old to seniors in high school standing in line to tell me their story of, of who they are and how they're going to come out and how they feel strongly to, to tell their parents, to tell their friends, to tell their teachers. And 
I mean, that was probably the turning point for me because here I am telling the story to this group. I, I feel safe in certain spaces telling the story, right? But then I was never openly always telling the story. I would like hide in different corners so that people wouldn't see it. And I felt like such a fraud to those, those kids that I'm telling them to do all this, but I'm doing it for them right now. And it felt performative. And then I'm going home and I'm like, please don't let anybody post about this on social media so that I am criticized and people hate me. And, and what am I going to do? Um, and I think that's, it doesn't matter if you are in the LGBTQ community or you are heterosexual, cisgender. I think that we all have these experiences in one way or another where we feel so terrified of who we are, somebody seeing us and feeling like it's this horrible, awful thing that we have to hide from instead of embracing. And that unless it is perfect and sculpted and beautiful according to very specific standards that we should never share it with the world. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think that's the hardest part. That's the bravest part is, is seeing yourself, all of yourself, because we have all of these flaws and knowing that even in those flaws, we are beautiful and we have something, we have a unique gift to share with the world. And the only way we can share that is if we are authentic to who we really are at our core, not what people see on social media, not what we present ourselves in because of our clothes or our haircuts or our social groups, but the essence of our being that if we strip back the flesh and bone is undeniable and can be felt when you walk into the room. And we've all felt it when you've stood in the room of someone who is powerful standing in their power you can feel it you, they don't have to say a word to you and i think that that's something that we can all share in as we continue to come out and share our stories that we can create this energy that is transformative hmm. yeah i love that what was the catalyst for you in bringing those two selves together those many selves into a more congruence i've been spending a lot of time in nature, nature is very healing for me. Um, and just sitting, sitting with my thoughts more as a yoga teacher, I, you know, I meditate daily and I try to check in with myself, not perfect. <laughs> um, but I kept feeling this pull, like, like at my heart's core that something was wrong. I mean, kind of similar to when I, I knew that I was gay. Like I could feel this pull on me that something was different and that there was something I was denying about myself and I wasn't being true to, and it would manifest itself in all these other emotions and experiences. And when I came to terms with being gay, then, then that felt like, Oh, you know, like sigh of relief. That must've been the thing. And I think that's what many of us um, experience. So with this, I was like, why is this feeling back? Like, I came out, I've, I've done the hard work, right? Like I did the hard part and mm -hmm. I, I dealt with the repercussions of that, didn't I? And I've been denied jobs and I've experienced these pains and hurts. So why am I feeling this way again? And it, you know, for me also, I struggle with depression and I've struggled with depression my entire life. And so I wondered, was this depression? So I had to really step back and observe. And the longer I sat with it, it was, I'm not using my voice. I'm not using my power and I'm letting myself be small and I'm letting other people make me feel small and feel as though their voice, voice is more important. Their presence is more important. And, you know, after sitting with that for some time and spending more time with 
youth. I learn a lot from from being around kids and and they're so they're so candid and they're so honest. Um and and feeling their energy and like you're you're not being like something's off with you. Like you could like just tell they could tell. And if I'm not fooling them, I'm not fooling anyone, right? Like mm-hmm. so that was, you know, spending more time with them in different organizations and different opportunities started to become that moment where I was like, something has to change. And then I sat in a meditation and had this very vivid three-hour meditation that led to my book, Struggle Guru. And in that process, it was, now is your time to, to share your story. Now is your time to speak your truth. And I tried to ignore it, but it kept coming up and it would keep me up. Like I would go to bed 10 o'clock and I'd wake up an hour later and then I'd wake up every hour on the hour until I would just get up and start writing and, and being honest with it. And so I knew at that point, like the universe isn't allowing me to deny this any longer. Um, and I believe in God. So I, I really feel like God was saying, I've, I've waited for this moment. This is your time and you can honor it. Or I'm just going to keep banging on the door until you do. <laughs> so I'm going to rip that closet wide open <laughs> or you can, you can do it yourself. It's going to be much, much gentler if you open the door than if I rip the door off. <laughs> It's like a parent, like, I'm going to unscrew the door and remove it off the hinge. That's kind of how I felt like, God, this presence, this energy is like, either you open it and come out or we're, we're, we're taking that door off the hinge and you're going to be seen by all. <laughs> I love that. In, uh, in episode 10 of the podcast here, I've, I've shared kind of the, the 10 steps of coming out. And I love that you're like perfectly hitting them all. Like the first one is dissonance and, and noticing that something's off. It doesn't quite resonate. And then the second one is um, having feedback and like this, something is like really crashing up against you and you, you start to hear it. And then the third one is like, yeah, you're getting this knock on the door. And if you don't receive it and welcome it in, it's probably going to come around the back door. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you really are living it. It's awesome. You know what, though, is, is interesting to me is where are those lessons in school? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, and I have friends all over the world. Um, you know, like the UK right now is making it mandatory for lessons in like health and sexual education to discuss LGBTQ plus identities and uh, sexual relationships, like making it a part of the curriculum where they're having these conversations and not having those conversations makes, I think for people who are coming out, I feel like we're a little bit more introspective and we start to notice those things where some of my friends, I feel like in their general lives, never hear the knock or never hear like the dissonance, like they don't feel that disconnect that I'm like, are you kidding me? This has been most of my life, like going through this process of, okay, I made it through this one and yay, I'm coming out again. And people think that like coming out is like a uh, one time thing. Yeah. And it's like a big party. It's a parade. Like there's confetti, there's unicorns, glitter everywhere. Like that's what they think it is. And so many times I I feel like it's more like the jack in the box. Like you crank it, you crank it, you can't handle it any longer. And then you pop out and then you stuff it back in because it was like not necessarily how you thought it was going to go. And you keep doing that. So sometimes it pops out quickly. Other times you notice it takes a long time to crank that thing. And then it pops out again. Like it feels explosive. And some people 
like that explosion is maybe with one person or multiple people, but how many times do you like stuff it back in? Cause it still doesn't fit, you know, the, the group that you're in. I mean, it's 2020 and I still have people who, when I talk to them, I'm like, I lost multiple jobs because I'm gay. And they're like, are you kidding me? I'm like the Supreme court had to rule so that this could be illegal. Does anybody think that this is odd? Right? Like, mm-hmm. shouldn't this be common sense that we don't do this as a mm-hmm. practice? And people are like, no. Or I was a head coach for a nonprofit girls program, which I won't name, but they asked me to step down as head coach because parents were afraid that I would be a sexual predator to the young girls. Why am I a sexual predator? Because I'm gay. Like, these stereotypes, these stigmas, like somebody takes a look at the way I dress and automatically assumes my ethical decisions, my upbringing, my previous trauma, my education, my mm-hmm. ability to communicate, my entire humanity based off of an appearance and a stereotype off of society and media telling you this is the person and they're going to be a sexual deviant and they're going to be immoral and they're going to be unjust and horrible and corrupt and you're like uh can we take a look at some statistics mm-hmm. <laughs> who is immoral and corrupt i don't fit that category nearly as much as some of you that are mm-hmm. coming in here so you know i wish that there was more opportunities for people to have conversations like this one where it's you know i want i want kids to be able to hear your podcast and like, oh, I'm not alone. And I think that definitely this, this generation coming up is getting better at that. But I also think of the fact that bullying is a 24 seven, 365 day experience where when I was bullied or outcasted, I I could go home and I could have a safer space and I didn't have to hear it all the time. And I just like my heart aches. Yeah, for social media and, and individuals now. who are experiencing that. I mean, the amount of people who send me messages I've never met. Like, what is the algorithm on that, by the way, where they can like find me? They don't even follow me, but they find me just to tell me what a horrible human being I am. I don't, I don't understand that. This episode of The Coming Out Chronicles was brought to you by Centered Life Coaching. We help you know yourself, to free yourself, and be yourself, so you can live the fullest expression of who you really are. Stay tuned, there's more to come in this episode. What do you think is your next coming out chapter? I would like to think that the next chapter coming out is moves from a space of fear to a space of celebration within the the yoga and wellness community that now that I feel like I have my voice and I know what I want to do with it to be able to bring others together Um, whether within the community or allies outside of the community to come into the community so that we can grow and that these conversations can continue to grow and more people can create safe spaces to 
have others come out in their various experiences because it may be coming out as, you know, teachers coming out as bias and not realizing their bias and working through that and finding out what that means and growing together because that's the only way we're going to continue moving forward. Um, you know, I would, from a queer and trans community standpoint, I would love to get to a point where we don't have to talk about coming out. It's just, I mean, I have friends who are like, I don't call it gay marriage. I just call it marriage. Well, that's a privilege that you have because you're heterosexual and people don't look at your marriage as different than mine, but I still have to fight for the rights for mine and still hope that it doesn't get overturned. And, and what would that look like for me? I do hope we get to a point where we don't have to have those conversations, but I think now this, this next chapter in coming out is how do we come out vibrant and thriving? I feel so many people that I've worked with in the yoga and fitness community that come to me as students are looking for a healing space to come out or to come in, to draw in, because it's not necessarily that we're coming out. We've always been here, but we're drawing into that space and tapping into that energy of who we are. And so there are some people who would describe it not as coming out, but finally coming home coming into that space and being able to create that that space is going to require a lot more conversations and a lot more allyship so i think that that's the next step is how do we grow together as a as a community so that we can continue to come home heal and then move from a space of healing to a space of thriving we don't have to always you know, so many times people are like, well, we need to create these spaces because of the trauma we've experienced coming out. But there's also a space to thrive. And the unfortunate reality is most people in the, the gay community meet at gay bars. And we have a very high rate within our community of addiction and obesity and disease. And there are not enough healthy spaces for us to come together and create a community. And so I hope that by coming out to this space of vibrancy, we can create those healthy spaces and people can meet up and, you know, whether it's workout, the workout is the first part, but then we get to work in together and, and grow our community and continue then to expand that. Hmm, I love that. It's so in line with what I'm doing here. Like I've had feedback from others listening that they love hearing a queer podcast where there's like, queer people thriving and really living their best lives rather than the story of like, Oh, I'm a victim and I have this trauma and this and this and this is not going well. But I love showcasing people like you that are doing amazing things with their lives and have in spite of trauma or in spite of hardships are making an impact in the world. We're coming together. We're taking over. <laughs> yeah. And you made a little mention to to your book, but tell us more about Struggle Guru and what that's all about. So Struggle Guru, um, as I said, came from a meditation and this coming out experience. But Struggle Guru ultimately looks at the stories we tell ourselves and that our biography ultimately influences our biology. So our thoughts become our behaviors, our behaviors become our habits, our habits become our storyline. And many people look at struggle as these scars on our bodies that keep us from, from living in 
the best light and the best version of ourselves. But I've come to find that struggle has been my, my greatest ally, my greatest mentor, my greatest teacher. And rather than looking at these struggles as scars on my body, instead they've become the war paint of the warrior that has always existed there. And that ultimately within yoga, guru is, is a very sacred term. And I am no one's guru. I truly believe that at the center of ourselves exists the greatest master that it, there is. So my hope is that through the book, I can guide you through some of my personal experiences, um, as well as experiences of students and athletes that I have trained and I have coached and have the privilege of knowing to share these stories that help ask questions to really move you down this path of your struggle and storyline and start to adapt it to turn your struggles into your superpower, be a little cliche there, but to transform it into this, this space of thriving and changing your storyline so that we can live healthier, happier lives. So many people look at changing their diet, changing their exercise, changing their social network, and think that all these things will change their body. I think it's so much about the physical and struggle guru looks from really more of a mental health standpoint. How can we look in and start to change what's going on in there? And that will ultimately manifest into physical transformation. Sure. But life is more than the physical transformation. Like as someone who's experienced cancer, life is more than the physical body. There's so much that is happening spiritually, mentally, emotionally, that is so much more rewarding than whether I have a six pack or whether the size of my pants says six or 16 or 26. That doesn't define me as a human being. I, I'm not gonna leave this life, go to the next, and they'll be like, sorry, only size two, blonde hair, blue eyes, had to have this job title, so many kids, one and a half pets. Like, that's not, that's not the criteria, right? Like, and that's, that's not an example of a great life. And certainly I hope that nobody is ever standing at my funeral saying that the best thing that they can tell about me is the size pants I wore, how many push-ups I could do or any of these other activities, right? Like I want, I want to leave a legacy that is based on the way I made other people, other people feel and the experiences and purpose that I had within me and struggle guru helps people navigate that sharing those stories. And then there's um, a journal at the end that is guru beginnings that allows the reader to start to ask the questions that I've thread throughout the, the book to start writing, the, rewriting their storyline. Because many of us have been writing the same chapter over and over and over again. Um, and now it's an opportunity to have a plot twist if it hasn't been going the way that um, maybe you expected. Like what? Like what, what would happen with that plot twist for some people? Um, you know, some of it... I'll use an example. I had a, an athlete and I refer to all of the people within fitness that I train as athletes because client feels very distant. So anyone who has a plan is, is an athlete and I feel it's more empowering, but I had an athlete who felt that her worth was determined by her high paying job and that there was nothing that was better than this, this high paying job, but she was miserable. Her marriage was suffering. Her, health was suffering. And she came to me because she wanted to change the physical. So she's like, well, I just need a workout program to, to improve my fitness. And we sat down and came up with a goal of an Ironman, which 
was her decision, not mine pressing on her. But through that journey, through that process of training for this triathlon, that is a huge endeavor. She started to realize that the high paying job wasn't everything that the reason her marriage was suffering was because she was so wrapped up in what the title meant that she wasn't listening to her partner and she wasn't listening to herself. And it was a transition for her physically. Yes. Emotionally. Absolutely. Like, and professionally, she still has the same job, but she looks at it in such a different way that now it adds value to her life rather than being the only thing her life is centered around. And she has more time for things that she loves, including her partner, right? Like she gets to spend time with him in a way that honors what he needs and honors what she needs. And I mean, they've been married 40 plus years. So they've spent a lot of time together, but she said for like the last 20 years, she's felt like you just share a household. And so that's, that's the plot twist for her is she thought her life was just going to continue to be this high stress, miserable piece. And she was just going to live, occupy the same space as another human being rather than really experience their, their intimate connection that was there. So that changed things for the better in them. So that's a plot twist, I guess, for her rather than continuing down that storyline. Yeah, that's also very much in line with the work that I do with helping people get clear on like what is not congruent, what do they not want to have just on autopilot and what do they want to deliberately choose and go into. So I love that you're doing that with people. I think that wherever you fall into the spectrum of wellness, which can cover a lot of things, even within healthcare and counseling, not enough people are asking what it is that we really want. You know, Mm -hmm. when, when I talk to youth who say like, well, I want to be Insta famous. What they're saying is I want to be seen. I want, I want to feel like I have worth. I, I want to feel recognized in a way that makes me feel like I'm living a purposeful life or I want to be rich. I'm really saying I want security. I want to feel safe and know that I'm, I, I, I'm cared for and that I can have a roof over my head and I can eat and drive places and not fear for that, that next um, meal or job. There's so many things that when you like really dial it in, people aren't even aware of what they're really asking. They stop at this, this very superficial surface level of, I just, again, in fitness, it's usually like, well, I want to lose weight. Why do you want to lose weight? Well, I'll look better. I know plenty of people with six packs who have miserable lives. <laughs> so that doesn't change everything. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not going to do the hard work internally. So I'm grateful there are people like yourself who are, who are working so diligent with, diligently with people to help them see that. Mm-hmm. And to see what's underneath their first, maybe surface desire, because I think all of us need support to see our bigger dreams, and we don't often let ourselves go there. Absolutely. You know, and one of the things I love about yoga is it's helped me over the years to step outside of myself, to see myself from an observer's perspective, which is much a, very similar to what you're doing, right? You're playing the role of the observer to help them see beneath that superficial layer that they can't see. And the better we get at knowing ourselves, the better we can become at being our own observer and stepping back and seeing it. You know, I 
constantly have to remind myself, I'm not my thoughts, especially as someone who struggles with depression and anxiety. I am not my thoughts. Mm -hmm. I can step back and say, these are, these are moving through this mind, but I have, I am not these thoughts. So I can detach from them. I can shift the energy of them. I'm not saying it is that easy to come out of a, a depression or a thought. I want to be clear on that because many times people are like, well, just snap out of it. Just be more positive. Oh, that's all I have to do? Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> Genius. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> being able to, to be that observer, it's, it's hard. There are many layers to the body that exists beyond the physical. And sometimes it takes that, that outside perspective, which is important to be able to see that. Mm-hmm. Well, I celebrate what you're doing in the world, Kirsten, and I'm grateful that you could share a little snippet of it with us here today. Thank you. If people want to get in touch with you or get your book, what's the best way for them to do that? The easiest way is to go on my website. So it's kbwaters.com. So that's the easiest. It has my social um, connections as well as email that comes directly to me. The book is on there as well. So easy way to connect, reach out, nothing else. Just say hi. Good to know there are other people out there. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Coming Out Chronicles. If you enjoyed it and you think it would be helpful for someone else, please share it with them. If you'd like to connect with me, reach out on social. I'd love to support you in the next chapter of your coming out story. I can help you know yourself, free yourself, and be yourself. Until next time, this is Nancy Shadlock from Centered Life Coaching.